Good evening. My name is Brandon. Uh, uh, as he said, we're in Samuel. Uh, Samuel is uh, part of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the Bible that comes before Jesus. Um, Samuel is uh, roughly a 3,000-year-old story about a man, as we said, named King David. And we're saying that King David was a foreshadow to King Jesus that was to come. And so here's, here's what we're saying, that there is a 3,000-year-old story about a 2,000-year-old man. And so I think it's a fair question to ask. What does it matter? What does it matter? If you're asking that, I, I want you to know, I think it's a pretty fair question. What, what does it matter, this ancient story, what bearing could it possibly have on my modern life? And so what I want to do is try to address that um, that question with two questions, both from our passage that we just read. Why David? Why Bethlehem? Why David? Why Bethlehem? And because it's Christmas Eve, uh, I'm going to try to do this in about 10, 12 minutes, which is like, uh, how do you say anything meaningful in that amount of time? But we'll give it a shot. So let's go, why David? Some context here we, uh, is needed. Um, Israel, uh, God's people in the Old Testament, Israel was a small nation. Looking around at the nations around them uh, who had kings. Israel didn't have a king. And the nations around, they had kings. These kings, they went out and they fought battles and they won and they were victorious. And Israel didn't have a king. And so they looked around and went, man, you know what we want? We want, we want a king like those nations. We want a, we want a king that's going to go out and fight for us. It would be like if we could imagine... Um, if we could imagine Louisiana as its own country, for the record, I'm not suggesting you should be. If you're from Louisiana, I'm just saying imagine with me. I like crawfish too. But imagine Louisiana as its own country, and it's looking around. You've got America and Canada and Mexico, and all three countries have kings, kings who go out and fight battles for them. But, but Louisiana, no king. And they're looking around and going, I want a king like those countries. I want a king who's going to fight for me. And so if we... Uh, can maybe get underneath Israel's request. Why were they asking this? Here, here's what's underneath their request. Um, I want our life to look like theirs. I want our life to look like the nations around us. I want what they have. Sound familiar? Probably so, but we'll come back to that in a minute. They wanted a king like the nations around them, and so God gave them what they wanted. His name was Saul, and it went bad. And now we're choosing a new king, and that's where we pick it up in chapter 16. I'm going to read a, a couple of verses to highlight that we just uh, read. So verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. That's from Bethlehem, but we'll come back to that. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Now jumping down to verse 6. When they came, when they being the sons of Jesse came, he looked at, on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on the appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In verse 11, And Samuel said to Jesse, 
after looking at all of the sons. They parade them all out in front of Samuel. And now he says to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. This is he being David. David, beautiful eyes and handsome, but not chosen for his beautiful eyes and his good looks. Chosen because the Lord looks in and sees what man doesn't see, sees the heart of man. And why does that matter? Here's why that matters. Because just before chapter 16, God said, hey, Israel, you know what I want for you? I want a king who's after my heart. I want a king for you to be a man who is after my heart. And later in the scripture, it's going to look back at David and say, hey, David was that man. David was the king who was after my heart. And so why David? Why David? Because while he was the king after God's own heart, he was a foreshadow. And I'm collapsing a lot right here, but for the sake of time, I'm collapsing it in. He was a foreshadow to the king to come who wouldn't be after God's own heart, but would have God's very own heart. He was a foreshadow of the one who would have the heart of God, God come in flesh. And David uh, was an incredibly imperfect man, which we're going to see as we keep following along in the story of Samuel, which is one of the reasons why I trust the Bible so much. And the Bible puts its flaws of its key figures, key leaders on full display, where if you're trying to make up a story, trying to just create some uh, new religion, you would never do that. You would never put the flaws of your leaders on display, but that's not what the Bible does. The Bible takes David and all of his brokenness, holds it up, puts David on full display, which is why when we look at David, we're, we're looking at the heart of God through a shattered windshield, right? You know, you're driving down the road, uh, hope this doesn't happen, hit a rock, psh, splinters everywhere. You're, you're looking through that windshield when you look at David to see the heart of God. Jesus is like removing the windshield so you can see right in. It's the heart of God on full display. And so if David, if David foreshadows, King David foreshadows King Jesus, it begs this question. Begs this question. What kind of king would Jesus be? What kind of king would he be? I mean, think about it. Every, uh, every Christmas we sing this song. I'm tempted to sing it when we get to Noel, but I'll try not to. In fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, Noel. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do it. Noel, Noel. Born is the... Yeah, there's more to it. You can keep going. Um, <laughs> king of? There we go. Born as the king of Israel. This baby born, born to be king, king of Israel. It's instinctive and natural that when we look at the Christmas story, we see King David fulfilled in the birth of King Jesus. So what kind of king would he be? It takes us to our second question. Why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? 
So um, cities were often named for what they were known for, right? So if I said to you, the Windy City, what city am I talking about? Chicago. Why is it called the Windy City? It's windy. Not complicated. Not complex ethics right there. It's windy. Bethlehem. It's a compound Hebrew word named, called Bethlehem. I'm not going to make us say it. It means place of bread. David, King David, was from a place known for an abundance of bread, but he wouldn't be the only one. You know where Jesus was born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Place of bread. And then one day, this little baby king would grow up, and he would stand up, no microphone, and he would say, you know who I am? I am the bread of life. A statement that uh, most people would probably have only understood in part until right before Jesus was going to be crucified when he gathered his disciples together and he grabbed a, a loaf of bread and he held it up and he broke it. And he said, this body, nope, this bread, you know what this bread is? It's my body broken for you. See, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and this, this bread, it's, it's my body broken for you. You don't, you don't know what he was saying? Here's what he was saying. I'm a king like no other king this world has ever seen. The, the kings of the nations, the kings that Israel wanted, you know what they did? They took life for the betterment of their own. You know what King Jesus did? He gave up his life for the betterment of others. He's like no king the world has ever seen. No king this world has ever known. And so maybe you're thinking, Brandon, I'm, I'm American. This is, this is great, but I'm American. I don't have kings. I don't have a king. Yes, you do. We've all, we've all got something ruling over our life, something that has authority in our life to direct, shape our life. And I don't just mean externally. Like, what do I do? Like, I'm employed, unemployed. I mean, who am I? Who am I? We, we've all got king that we're submitting to. All of us, every one of us. So I asked our staff this week, I said, hey, can you guys um, give me a list? Help me out here. Give me a list of things that, that really rule our lives. Um, and I'm not going to give you the list. I will tell you HGTV was on it. Um, that's just a point of insecurity. When I go to Lowe's and Home Depot, they're like, man, we know you don't belong. Where's your wife? And anyway, um, but rather than giving you the list, here, here's what I want to do. I want to I give you a theme of the list or the undercurrent of the list. You ready? Here, here is the undercurrent to the list they sent. Just like Israel, I want their life. If I just had their life. If I just had the life of those around me. That would mean I would have the good life that I'm after. Right? Whether it's job, image, house, family, you fill in the blank. Your blank defines your good life. And whatever your definition of the good life is, that's your king. Whatever it is that you look around at one another and say, if I just had what they have, that's your good life. Whatever your good life is, that's your king. That's what's reigning in your life. That's what's reigning in your heart. It's your king. And so image, right? If image is your good life, if what other people think of you is your definition of the good life, that, that's going to be intoxicating when people think highly of you. And the minute you get critiqued, you'll come crashing down. You know, you know why? It's a lesser king. 
It's a lesser king. And until the true king is your king, lesser kings are always going to be sexy. They're always going to be attractive. And just like Saul, the king before David, they're always going to let you down. Always. They're intoxicating. And they'll let you down. And so the true king is your king. You'll always be drawn to lesser kings. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to take communion together. We don't normally take communion at our Christmas Eve gathering, uh, but because it's Sunday, we're taking communion together. And as we come to the table, here, here's what's happening. Here's, here's what we're doing. We're taking an active step. We're taking an active step in the direction of rejecting lesser kings and embracing and receiving the greater king, the true king. We're taking an active step at saying, lesser kings are not going to be my king. I want the king that comes to this table. I want this to be my king. I'm taking an active step to say, Noel, 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 the one who was born king of Israel, that's my king. Taking an active step to say, the bread of life broken for us, born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, that's my king. And so what's on the table today, tonight? A cute Christmas ceremony? No. A chance to reject lesser kings. A follower of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus in the room. Same thing is on the table. The chance to reject lesser kings and say, I want the true king to be my king, that I might not buy the lie that lesser kings offer anymore. That's what's on the table. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the chance um, to take just a few minutes on this eve of Christmas and talk about the true king, the king that was to come, and how he might be the king that rules and reigns in our hearts and our lives. And I pray as we come to the table, Lord, you, you might, you might by your mercy, by grace, would you let us see, would you just put in front of us visually, right in front of us, our lesser kings, that we might actively reject lesser kings and come feast on the greater king. Do that for us. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.